Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. In these episodes of this podcast, I will be sitting down with various guests to connect over who they are, their happiness, and lessons they've learned. I believe life is like a book. Each chapter is a piece of our development and growth with the good, the bad, and everything in between that ultimately makes up our story. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences and opinions throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode. This time, I'm here with a lovely guest, my first guest, Miss Darren Gaber, also known as my little sister. Thank you for being my first guest. I'm very happy to have you here. You've been very supportive over this whole process and instrumental in helping me kind of cultivate this and produce this and make it what it is. So I'm very, very happy and grateful to have you here. Thank you. Well, thank you for involving me. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. I love talking to you about this kind of stuff. And so let me give everybody a little rundown of your portfolio, who you are. You studied theatrical lighting and design at BCU and are a lighting designer and electrician. head ele- mm-hmm. electrician, head electrician. And while in college, you earned the Bobby Chandler Award for Design in 2021 and the Schaefer Alliance Laboratory Theater Award for Best Lighting Design two years in a row. You also worked at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in 2019 before the pandemic hit. And then while the pandemic was going on, you worked on countless theatrical productions in both Richmond, Virginia and Long Island, New York, which is just wild that you were able to do that during the pandemic. Yeah, that nine-hour drive, not fun. No, I bet. Mm-mm. I bet no. <laughs> and I will link your profile in the show notes for everybody to see. But you are currently in the manager at an escape room, which you love very much. Mm-hmm. You are an amazing writer, which we'll talk about in the book club episode. And you're a cat mom, new cat mom to a new little kitten. Yeah. So now you have two. She's been with me for two weeks now. Yep. Lottie and Ellie. Mm-hmm. And you are a fellow reader. Did I miss anything else? No? Wow. Well, that is that is my intro for you. Darren, thank you for joining me. <laughs> Binx's automatic feeder went off. <laughs> All right. I haven't decided whether I'm going to keep this. I think it should be the bloopers. You're doing great. Continue. So you currently work at an escape room. How do you like it? I love my job. It started out as a part-time job during college because I needed money for bills. And then I, I stepped up in management that way. And then I just kind of kept going. And it's so much fun. You get to see so many weird people and there, it's this weird situation where you're stuck in a room, you're in this high stress environment, I guess, yeah. and um, and people really show their true colors in there, and it's so fun to watch. It really fuels my god complex. So, as a game master, a host, it's like, is that the right word for it? Yeah. Okay. Game master. Okay. Um, it's so much fun. It's so much fun, and. Sometimes you get those really rude customers, which is not fun because customer service is really difficult and hard to work in. But 
the majority of the time, it's just a fun environment. Mm -hmm. You're just there to play a game. I love that. And before that, you were working in lighting, because that's what you graduated with your degree in. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the escape room is very similar to a theatrical production in so many ways, where you're just, like, watching people react and act in this situation that's kind of theatrically built. Yeah, and my my degree, thank God I got my degree in what I did, because now I'm, I feel like every day I have to fix something, or redo the lighting in the rooms to make sure we have the right ambiance for the story because some of our rooms are something like an adventure in the jungle and then other ones are like you're a spy and it's the CIA so it's really different environments so I get to work with the design of the rooms in that way which is fun that's super cool so how did you pick theatrical lighting that's such a specific niche yeah I never really thought about it as an actual job for the longest time. I never really thought about what would go into lighting design. Um, I'd been in theater, as you know, since we were kids, we were doing theater. My mom, our mom, Mm -hmm. taught theater. And then when I was in uh, college, I was getting my associates, and I was working at my former high school, and we had gotten a brand new lighting system at the school and I was directing at that time for their productions and there was nobody around who knew how to work this lighting system. So I took the manual and taught myself and figured it out. Put together a whole lighting. Yep. I designed the show um, on a whim because nobody else could do it. And so I kind of got stuck with it and then realized I really liked it and was good at it. And then immediately after that, I changed my degree (laughs) and I decided to major in theatrical lighting. Actually, it's majoring in theater with the concentration in lighting design and technical production. And so what side of it do you like the most if you had to pick? Like the designing part or the like physical, because there's a lot of physical labor to it too, like getting up on a ladder and like moving the lights and like all this. I remember you built muscle when you came back from school from like the first semester. (laughs) Yeah. And especially as someone who doesn't like heights, Mm. (laughs) it's not fun. It's, it's hard to get over that kind of stuff. But once I got into it, I really do love that hands-on work part of it, which is a lot of fun. And a lot of it is like putting pieces to a puzzle together to get something to function, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of fun. And I learned a lot about wiring and electricity. So like I fixed one of the lights in our parents like bathroom and stuff. And now I have all these skills that I can apply to every day as well, which is a lot of fun. But I prefer personally the design aspect. I'm more of a creative minded person. So I like to see the final product of a show and see all of the moving pieces brought together. That's probably the most satisfying part for me is when the curtain goes up and you can see the final product. Mm -hmm. That's, there's nothing else like it. What a cool experience because like I did theater growing up, like you said, we all did it, but I was always an actor. And so I always saw... I was always on the stage, like, performing it and being immersed in it live. And the only way I got to see it was, 
like looking at the recording afterwards and watching us. But like I've gone and visited one of your shows in New York and I saw when you did Beauty and the Beast and we all sat together at a table and you got to watch the performance and we got to all see the lighting together. And like that, oh, that's got to be so much fun to be able to actually sit there and watch your like art be produced live. It is really fun. And that is my favorite part of the job. With that said, it's also probably the most nerve wracking part of the job is when you first see the show, because though it was great sitting with my family and being able to share this moment with you guys, it was also so nerve wracking to think I'm not at the board. I don't have the control over what's happening. So God forbid something goes wrong. I can do nothing about it. That's interesting. And that's so terrifying for someone someone with control issues. Mm. But it is really great when you see it from the outside and you see it from the audience's point of view. And what the best part of that is when I know a cue is coming up or I know a choice I made specifically and the first time I get to see the audience reaction to it is so much fun. So when I did Beauty and the Beast, the song... Be Our Guest. That was my favorite song to do. It's also just my favorite song in the movie and in the show. But designing that song was so much fun. And so being able to see your faces react to it and see how a packed audience reacted to that moment was incredible. I love that. So what are some of the things that you're passionate about other than lighting and theater? I love reading. Shocker, that's why I'm on the podcast. One of the many reasons. One of the many reasons. And we'll get into that in the next episode for the book club episode. Um, I also write, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, not necessarily a career thing, but I love cooking. I absolutely love cooking. It's one of my favorite hobbies, and it's one of my love languages is cooking for other people and sharing that. Specifically... A lot of foods that we grew up with, living overseas, we lived in Latin America a lot, so we learned how to make things like arepas and empanadas and stuff, and I love making that kind of stuff for other people and sharing with people. Mm-hmm. I like to cook, too. I, I've i gotten, during the pandemic, especially when I was like at home, I got more into like cooking and taking time to make my meals versus being running around like a crazy person going to work, coming home, and, like, not having a time to enjoy that. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, making the food. It's the journey, not the destination. Mm -hmm. Although the destination is food, so it's always good. But taking the time to enjoy what I'm cooking and have fun doing it. How do you define happiness? So I think, personally, that happiness is subjective, It's different for everybody, and my version of happy isn't going to be the same as someone else's. So the most important thing to me is that I'm comfortable and I'm enjoying what I'm doing, and that leads me to be happy. My happiness usually comes from my relationships with others. For example, my best friends, my family... When I can, when I'm able to surround myself with people who I can be myself with, makes such a difference. 
versus having to put on a facade for somebody else. I think a lot of people, just generally people, tend to do that instinctually. You know, you accommodate and you compromise yourself for others, but happiness should come from within. It should be comfort with yourself. Do you believe happiness is like an achievable thing or an overall state of being? I don't think there's like a trophy in the end kind of thing. I don't think happiness is this one item that you have to strive to achieve. I think it's something that's fluid and always around us. You know, I could be a generally happy person, but have bad days, you know, or I could be content and not be truly happy. So what are some of the things that make you happy? I love spending time with the people I love and my cats. (laughs) Not going to lie. Lottie, my cat, and Ellie, my kitten. What are some of your happiest moments? Not that I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, you know, travel. Travel makes me so happy. We grew up traveling. We, you and I, we've been traveling since we were very little because of our dad's job and how we were raised. And still to this day, I would say I'm probably my happiest when I'm abroad or being able to see new places, whether it's within the United States or outside of the United States, just being able to experience new places, new history, learn new things. That's probably when I'm my happiest. Yeah. I like the curiosity that like traveling brings and immersing yourself in a new space. Like for example, you asked about happiest moments. You and I did a trip one time. Oh my gosh. We did. We did. Well, we've done a few trips, Mm -hmm. but specifically I'm thinking about one that we took to Milan in Italy We did. And we did a weekend in Milan. So our our parents were already living in Germany at the time. So it was super easy to get on a plane from Germany to Italy. 50 euros or something to just hop on a plane and go. So we said, fuck it, why not? Mm -hmm. And so we did a weekend in Milan and just seeing all of the architecture and the history was incredible. But I think my favorite moment was when we found this park. And we just stretched out our little uh, scarf things onto the grass. We sat down. You I, had some Prosecco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, I think I had a Popsicle or... Yeah. Yours was very adult. Mine was childish. <laughs> and I remember we saw some really cute guys sunbathing too. Mm-hmm. And it was just like people watching, seeing people bike nearby. Felt like a local. Like yeah. just chilling in the park. And it was just this beautiful summer day sitting out on the grass in this historic park. So I just love being able to do things like that. I like being a lost wanderer mm-hmm. in a new place. That makes me happy. It kind of, because in the moment, because usually you're on vacation when you're traveling, right? Like it's not always, even if it's for work and I am have a moment to myself and I'm wandering, it's like when I'm most content and happy and I just kind of wander a place and get to see whatever I see and go wherever I feel like it and turn on whatever street looks most inviting and 
I, I enjoy that. You feel kind of free and relaxed and don't belong to anything or anyone or any time. There's no time constraint. You're just kind of wandering and immersing yourself. You and I are fairly type A when traveling. No. <laughs> and I know we, in that Control trip. Control freaks I us. Know, in the Gaber household. No way. Um, so when we went to Milan, I know we had our schedule. We wanted to see the Duomo. We wanted to um, go to the Galleria. We wanted to see all of these things, very specific things. So that's why I think sitting in the park and just taking a moment yeah. really stuck with me. Yeah. Because just having that time to just be. Yeah. Just be where you are and not have to be on a time crunch, like you said. Yeah. Well, our like we said, our family's very type A in planning. And a, m- many of our family vacations are not relaxing vacations because we usually, we have the privilege and we've been fortunate enough to travel to a lot of different places. And so what we do is we see as much as we can see in one place for the time that we're there and because you don't know when you're going to come back you're going to yeah. be able to come back and yeah. so we do we run around we walk around a city we do all of this and we just kind of like cram the day in with as much stuff as possible so every so often it is nice to just kind of take a beat and see kind of take in your surroundings do you remember this is the complete opposite side of that scale hmm. probably the worst moment <laughs> when traveling was when we went to Rome, also in Italy. Mm. Um, And it was our first day in Rome. And we hadn't planned the day all that well. And so it ended up being 10 straight hours of walking on this ancient cobblestone. So you were tripping all over the place in 100 plus degree heat in the middle of July. July. (laughs) I cried that day. I saw that's how we that's how we do that Mm -hmm. but we saw a lot that day we did we saw as much as we could promptly passed out when we got back though that's true Mm -hmm. how do you actively try to bring happiness into your life I I really struggle with that because I get so caught up in my day-to-day and the grind at work or, you know, whatever I need to be doing, whatever chores or taking care of cats or I live with my grandmother. So helping her or trying to get to work, all of that stuff. So I get so caught up in the day to day that I try really hard to take a moment and do something for me. Not something that's going to have any impact on other people. You know, it shouldn't have to do with anyone else and just do something for me for example I love to do my nails and I love to do my hair I always have my hair a different color all the time (laughs) it's a running joke in the family um I love to do my hair so I'll take an evening and just have a nice drink put on a show or a movie that I love and just take my time and do my hair it's a little like treat yourself thing that I love to do And it really just centers me. Is there something in your life that didn't go your way or how you expected it to that then turned into a beautiful thing or had a better outcome than you expected? Something that was really hard for me was a university that I really, really, really wanted to get into. It was my dream school. 
and I was denied twice. I applied twice and got denied both times. And that was really hard. And I think I kind of spiraled from it for a little while. Um, but it was a blessing in disguise because since I didn't go there, I ended up applying to Virginia Commonwealth University and I got into VCU. I got into their school of arts and their theater program and it led You weren't me... even going to study theater. Yeah, I wasn't even going to do theater. I was going to do um, graphic design at that point And then I ended up falling in love with lighting. I wouldn't have even gotten into lighting if I had gone to the original school that I wanted to go to. And honestly, Richmond, Virginia was so my vibe. <laughs> it was, it still is one of the few places I would consider settling down. Mm. I absolutely love Richmond. Do you think everything happens for a reason? No, I wouldn't say that everything happens for a reason. I would say that there are things that do happen for a reason. Okay. <clears throat> Because I don't want to say that bad things always happen for a reason. I know that people go through a lot of struggle and trauma, and I wouldn't say that they have to happen for a reason. I don't think anyone deserves that. But I think that there are some things that are cosmically meant to happen. Like you choose a path and like based on it, we all have choices, right? Like we, Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as choices as kind of like a spider web. Mm. You're going down a path, but it might branch off and go into other ones. Depending on what you choose. Yeah. And then new opportunities pop up depending on the choice you make. But also, and this is going to sound cheesy. This is Mm going to sound so cheesy. Mm -hmm. But I believe in signs from the universe, from whatever deity you want to believe in or faith you have. Mm -hmm. But I believe in signs. And there have been certain things that happen in life that just, it was too much to be a coincidence. Like? So, for example, VCU, back when I was in high school, freshman year of high school, before I wanted to do theater for a career, I wanted to go to VCU. And then I ended up kind of disregarding that and moving away from that. And then I went to see you perform in your acapella group oh my gosh, from yes. college, right? Yep. And you guys were at VCU. Yep. You guys were at the theater I ended up working at and going to school at. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. And then, cut to <laughs> years later, I apply to VCU and I go down to tour it. And I'm like, why is this so familiar? Why does this look... So, like, I've been here before, and I was touring it with you, Mm -hmm. and that was kind of, it was multiple things that happened that all kind of aligned, and so there are things like that that make me think that maybe some things were meant to happen a certain way. So maybe me getting denied from that school, maybe I tried too hard, and whatever deity was like, Darren, stop. This is not what you're supposed to do. It's not supposed to go down this route. That's so funny. So that's also so funny because that competition was like a nightmare for me. Yeah, it was so bad. Um, So it's funny that like, it's funny. That's just funny because yeah, that competition, we had prepared a whole like 
dance choreography to like what we were doing and like it was so good and then it just like didn't turn out the way we all expected (laughs) so it's funny that that's the memory I remember it being a great performance thank you so much you're welcome that's funny so what lessons have been the most impactful in your life so this is something that took me a long time to learn and I'm still working on because we're a work in progress mm-hmm. is that you can't please everybody. Ooh. That no matter what you do, someone is going to be upset. I hate that. I know. It's I so want everyone hard, to like right? me. <laughs> and it's us being people pleasers. Yeah. But it's true, you know? It's whether you're the boss at work and you have to be a hard ass mm-hmm. or... If you make a mistake and even if people like forgive you, even if you apologize, people are going to be upset Mm -hmm. and there's probably going to remember that. Exactly. And you never, you can't control what other people are doing. So you can't guarantee that you can make everyone happy. Yeah. So, which is why I say that happiness, I think should come from yourself because you're the only person you can control. Yeah. You know, you can't control other people's emotions or how they see you as much as you would like to. So the fact that you can't please everybody and most likely or more likely you're not going to please other people. You're probably going to make people very mad. That's true. And that's hard to come to grips with when you want so badly to just make everybody happy. Also having to come to grips with the fact that you could do everything correct. You could follow every rule and do everything right. And people will still find a reason to be mad. Yeah. Especially if it doesn't go the way society expects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But even if you are following the rules and what people expect of you, people are still going to find something to be mad at. So at that point, fuck it, do what you want. Do what makes you happy. Is there something you've learned in the last two years since the pandemic? Recently, I have, I guess this is a self-taught thing, but taking a breath before I make a rash decision because I'm an impulsive person. Like adopting another kitten. Shh. We love her. <laughs> that was not a mistake. She is a wonderful... Nobody said it was a mistake. Impulsive. It was impulsive. <laughs> But you met her. She's a sweetheart. She's so tiny. She's so cute. I love her. Um, but yeah, taking a breath before you do something rash. Generally, for me, it's when I get angry. I tend to explode when I get mad. Um, but you know again, like. we're a work in progress. Don't worry. I'm a zero to 100 kind of person in every yeah. emotion. <laughs> exactly. So usually it's anger, but with sadness, too, it's... Take a breath, think about what's happening, think about the reaction, and then go into it because mm-hmm. I tend to react largely mm-hmm. and then I have to kind of dig myself out of the hole. What's something you would tell your younger self? It's not all about you. What are you talking about? <laughs> it is all about me. <laughs> No, but it's not all about you, meaning that it's not the end of the world. You know, it's not 
there's so much more going on. And yes, your emotions are valid. Yes, you are totally welcome to feel how you're feeling. But ultimately, there's more going on than just you. I try to remind myself that in a specific way when I'm in social settings that make me socially anxious. Like going to the Mm -hmm. gym makes me very anxious because it's full of people who know what they're doing and also a lot of men and it's just a lot of people and you don't want to look like an idiot. And I constantly remind myself that like no one's looking at you. No one really cares about you. Like it's not about you. Like nobody. Nobody cares. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself. Another thing I would tell younger Darren is to trust your instincts because there are there are bad people there are great people there are bad situations and like that's just the reality of the world and I think trust your gut if your gut is telling you something it's for a reason like staying at a nunnery Hey, that tri- that worked out just fine. <laughs> Darren called before she started doing lighting for this uh, community theater in Long Island, New York. She calls me and our other sister to let us know she's on her way. And the place that they have her staying at is this like boarding school. What, a Catholic boarding school or like a... It was a Baptist school. It was off like... It wasn't during school hours or anything like that. Yeah. It was... During the summer. Yeah, it was during the summer. Nobody was there or anything. And it was housing. It was free housing. I just wasn't aware that I was the only one there. Yeah. And that, that I this, would be like, alone. Yeah, and like a nun <laughs> has to open the door for her and... They we were see very our lo- nice. They were probably Sister lovely. Sister Mary was very nice to me. Lovely. But we see her pull up in a random parking lot on our, like, find my friends. We all track each other. (laughs) Yeah, and me and my other sister are like, is she being human trafficked? Like, what is she doing in this random location? And you know what? Not a hotel. It's so random. I followed my gut, and I was fine. It was fine. I definitely bought her one of those, like, locks for your door, like those extra locks you can get online. Definitely bought one of those for you. This is so weird. (laughs) Great experience, ultimately. It was a good experience. I still laugh about that. I Because the guy I was working with, um, he and I were working together up there, and we stayed there. And we still talk about it. We're like, hey, remember when we stayed in a haunted boarding school? Because we for sure saw ghosts there. That's so wild. For sure. What is the biggest change that you see in yourself now? And when do you think that change happened? Okay, at the risk of sounding so cheesy and just so basic, when I went abroad... (laughs) Oh, you're that bitch. I don't mean it to be that way. (laughs) You're the girl that studied abroad (laughs) one semester and is like, when I was in Barcelona. No, but okay. Okay, so I spent a summer and I was in Scotland. I went to Edinburgh. I worked at the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh in 2019. And I met some of the most amazing people there, both like actors, technicians, management. I met some of my closest friends there and we still chit chat when we can because we're, you know, across the pond from each other. But I, when I came back from that trip, I was truly a different person, 
my confidence was a whole nother level. Granted, I also learned how to drink over there and they introduced me to gin, which is now my drink. But it also had to do with just the confidence of being there and knowing what I'm doing. It was the first time I had a job in my field where I got to have control over a lighting system and actually be hands-on in the field I wanted to be in. So being able to come back then and finish my degree with that experience. And you're living like alone for the first time in a city. So, and I did all of that myself. I got my work visa. I did the travel plans. I did all of that on my own. And it was the first time I got to actually go out into the world as my own person with my own choices, which then I think bringing back that experience with me to the United States when I went back to school after that, it just changed my view on my day to day. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than just going through the motions, I felt like I could actually make active choices in my life. You know, it's that concept of free will. You know, you're just going kind of, Yep. The gears are just spinning and you're just going down the conveyor belts of the capitalist lifestyle. And then every once in a while it kind of hits me that, no, you have free will. You can do what you want. And I didn't really ever have that confidence to do what I want just for me and not to please somebody else until I had had that experience of actually being on my own. That's a good one. All right, here's a fun question. What would you do if you knew you wouldn't fail? I would open a restaurant. Making food is your love language. That makes sense. I I feel like when I say that, people say it comes out of the blue. But truly, I would open a restaurant. Because I know that's such a risky business to get into. And if I knew I couldn't fail. Would it be like a bunch of lights? Oh my god. No, but I would. I would oh my god, the setup would be so cool. That ambiance would be so cool. What kind of restaurant? I don't know. I feel like I would do a mix of things because I do love to make all different kinds of food. Our aunt has taught us how to make Korean food. Um we lived overseas and we learned how to make Hispanic food from a lot of places in Latin America and then also German food living there too. So I mean, maybe it would be a really eclectic group of different cuisines, but I think that would be something I would do. Whether it's a food truck or a restaurant or something, I would start a business like that. That's cool. What does a good life look like to you? Years from now, you look back and you're like, I had a good life. What does that mean? full life? What does that entail? Ultimately... And this goes back to one of our early questions. If I'm happy by the end of my life, if I'm happy with choices I've made and where I've ended up, then I'm good. What does that entail? I think a full life generally means just achieving, not achieving typical success, but success defined by you. For me, that success would be probably taking the time to travel and do the things that I love, like traveling, like writing and reading and 
I am not one to stay in one place very long. I don't like to be get the tied itch. to one thing. Yeah, I get mm-hmm. that itch to move. And so I think that if, let's say I'm on my deathbed and I'm looking, I'm thinking back on my life. The most important things to me is that I've made memories to hold on to with the people that I want in my life. I like that. What are you pursuing in this chapter of your life right now? Financial stability? (laughs) Financial stability. Not we all. Right now, I'm kind of unlearning a lot of things. So rather than racing towards a finish line to achieve a goal right now, I'm trying to take it one step at a time and enjoy where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I think for the longest time in my life, I've been so caught up on this is the next thing and the next thing. For example, I, you get through high school, you graduate. I went to college. I got a job. I got, went to my, finished my associates, got to my bachelor's, finished my bachelor's. So it was such a, like, this is the next finish line that right now, now that I'm out of college, it was kind of a shock of, well, what happens now? What's next? I have no idea what's going to go, what's going to happen next in my life. And instead of being consumed by that anxiety, I'm trying so hard right now to just appreciate where I'm at and find peace in the space that I'm in now and not worry too much about what's going to happen next because what will happen will happen. What has changed for you since the pandemic? Going out in public is not as fun anymore. Mm. I don't like seeing people. Mm. And when, like, people are just hacking and coughing all the time, (laughs) it's so uncomfortable. Before, I'd be like, oh, they're sick. Now I'm like, get away from me. Especially when they don't have a mask and they're sick. One thing I did a lot of, especially during early pandemic, was, as I'm sure most of us did, we did a lot of soul searching. Mm. And, well, being stuck inside. Yeah, knowing how much time is going to be wasted. Yeah, Exactly, yeah. And if you live alone, especially, but Mm -hmm. through, I was with roommates, and so through my conversations and my experiences with my roommates... I learned a lot about myself and how to communicate how I'm feeling. I have a hard time communicating my emotions and my comfort level, especially, and my anxieties. And something that my really, really good friend taught me was identifying where my anxiety is in my body. Hmm. Because if I'm feeling it in my head, maybe that's a stress thing, if it's in my heart, maybe it's a discomfort thing. So identifying that kind of stuff and being able to communicate that to the people around you that, hey, I'm not having a good day, or hey, I just need a moment, or I just need to vent, I don't want your input, I just need to talk. Yeah, that's something you say to me a lot now, or you've implemented into me in my daily life. And we as three sisters do it with one another. It's like, okay, do you want to just vent to me about this thing? Or do you want 
my opinion as well. Because I'm first to give you my opinion, like whether you ask for it or not. And not every time do you want my opinion. Sometimes you just want me to listen. Yeah, and on both ends of that, when you're the one who needs to talk, being able to tell the person, hey, I just need to talk. I just need Mm -hmm. this to get off my chest. But then also if someone is talking, is like sharing their emotions and anxieties with you, being able to respond with, do you need an ear to listen to you or do you need actual advice? Yeah. So, yeah, good communication and healthier relationships was probably the biggest thing. And then also learning where boundaries should be and are. Hmm. And I'm still working on putting those up. Mm -hmm. But figuring out those boundaries of, no, this makes me uncomfortable. I will not be doing this. Or I will not be seeing this person because they make me uncomfortable. They make me angry. We have a bad history. Whatever it may be. Figuring out those boundaries and setting those lines. And not like, I'm going to cut you out of my life, I hate you. But setting up that boundary so that you can then have a healthier relationship by knowing those lines and respecting them. I agree. So I asked this before, but a nice way to kind of end this. What are you pursuing in this chapter of your life right now? Right now, I'm... I have been really bad about my schedule. That sounds like I'm trying to organize myself. No. (laughs) What I mean is, like, my sleep schedule, my work-life balance, things like that. Because, especially in a theater life, we have tech rehearsals until all hours of the night. And then when you're in lighting design, which I don't think a lot of other departments in theater have to deal with the same thing. Maybe scenic design. But I know, like, actors don't have to deal with this or costume designers. That... We're there at the theater after hours and we have to be on stage focusing and hanging and doing all of these things that we can't do when there's people on stage. So we can't bring ladders out on stage when actors are there or they're rehearsing. So we end up having to stay at the theater until 4 or 5 a.m. to work overnight. So there were plenty of days, especially this past spring that my friend who was also um, worked with me on lighting, he and I would be at the theater working from 3 p.m. until 5 or 6 a.m., sometimes past that till 8 or 9, and we'd see the sun come up and we're like, crap, we got to get home and get some sleep. And then we sleep and we practically became nocturnal at one point because of the hours we had to keep. And so then trying to get out of that routine and have a healthy, have that healthy balance between knowing my limits and that's okay to have limits. You know, I shouldn't have to be at the theater Mm -hmm. until all hours of the night. And even if I have... I still have things on my checklist to do. Take a moment, get some sleep because I will, I'm the kind of person who will skip meals. I'll stay up. If I have something else to do, I will prioritize the job over my own health. And I'm still working on unlearning that habit. Yeah. I remember you calling me like, yeah, I just have like a giant box of Cheerios with me today. And that's (laughs) what I'm eating. I lived off of Cheerios and Red Bull for so long. So not good for you. I know. (laughs) Well, 
Thank you, Darren, for being here with me today and being my first guest and participating in all of these questions that I'm sure can be a little uncomfortable or like, yeah, I'm not used to talking about myself. This is weird. I like it. This is fun to have this conversation. <laughs> not just I love being the main because... character. <laughs> no, it, I don't. I don't talk about myself very often, so it's really nice that you are taking the time to get to know your guests like this on a new level. Aw. Well, I enjoy getting to know people. It's one of the things I've actually missed because we were in a pandemic and there wasn't that Mm -hmm. much human contact. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being my first guest. I'm more than happy to have you again whenever you want. Heard it here first, folks. (laughs) (laughs) And... Everyone stick around for the book club episode where Darren is going to join me for that. So thank you so much, Darren, for being here. Thank you, everyone. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Instagram at unofficialbookclubpod. Please don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time.